what was initially perceived as a bearish CPI print has ended up resulting in massive rallies amongst most of the altcoins. So in today's show, I want to discuss exactly why the market ended up reacting so positively to the CPI news, go through why that might be the case, and also look at the key levels on the Bitcoin and Ethereum chart, which may be hinting at where we're going next. And I will give you a forewarning. We are at major, major levels right now. So this is a very important time for the market. And there are some altcoins that I'm watching, and I'll reveal those in today's video that I think have a strong chance of outperforming and are about to break out massively to the upside. And I do want to go through those charts and give you guys an update um, because there could be huge opportunities in that space. And today, overall, is a massive day of learning um, due to the market reaction that we got. I think there's a lot to take out of this. Um, and there was some really, really, really key price action from Bitcoin and Ethereum, which indicated the next potential move. So the first thing I want to do before going into any charts is look over exactly what happened with the US CPI print. So essentially, if you don't know what the CPI is, it's a consumer price index that basically tracks um, the current inflation levels in the market. The reason why CPI is so important is because the Fed uses the CPI as one indicator or one piece of data in order to substantiate the pace of rate hikes. So clearly, um, the Fed has been pretty strict on its higher for longer policy, which suggests that it is going to keep raising rates um, throughout the remainder or at least the first half of 2023. The CPI data comes in and gives them a bit of guidance as to how severely potentially or how long um, they can hike rates for. So the US CPI was predicted to be 6.2% year over year. It ended up coming in at 6.4% year over year, which means inflation is actually slightly higher than the market was anticipating. Now, on face value, this should be bearish news because if the CPI comes in higher than the market's anticipating, um, then that should typically suggest that the Fed um, starts tightening uh, even further or becomes more hawkish. But what actually happened was the market reacted quite strongly and we saw a positive price reaction from a lot of the altcoins and also Bitcoin and Ethereum as you can see here. And there's a couple reasons for that that I'll get into in, in a second. But I think one of the major reasons why that happened is because although year-on-year year is technically um, above the expectation, it is still trending downwards. So now we have seven consecutive prints um, trending downwards. So although it was higher than the estimate, the trend is still clear. Inflation is coming down, even if now it is just marginally. And the other thing is month-on-month month was actually the same. So although year-on-year year was above estimates, month-on-month month, um, was the same and relatively in line with estimates, um, which which kind of meant that the market reaction was probably priced in even before the, the CPI actually went live. Um, usually when, when you get announcements like this, there's a lot of volatility around the event. We saw a lot of traders get um, liquidated as a result. We saw a lot of people get wiped out. And I think it's just another reminder to us as traders that you know we don't trade these events straight away. And the best way to go about them is to let the market settle, let the market reaction actually dictate where we're going next, and then trade based on that logic. And that's exactly what today's show is about. It's about taking um, the market's reaction into account, looking at where the market wants to go based on its price action, and then formulating a plan based on that price action. And of course, we'll chat about that plan today. So Ted actually highlighted the very interesting market reaction post-CPI because he noticed that bonds actually repriced. Now, when bonds reprice, this means that the market is factoring in the possibility of rates um, being higher for longer. And we can see the steep repricing here. But the interesting part is that 
risk assets were relatively stubborn, or in other words, buoyant. So there was a huge divergence between the, U the US two-year treasury yield and tech stocks um, like the NASDAQ and also Bitcoin, which responded quite positively. So interestingly, um, the markets are, I, I guess, to some extent, overly buoyant um, when most macro experts did expect um, a pullback here. And, and of course, there's many reasons behind that. But I guess the market um, responded much more positively than, than the two-year treasury yields actually responded. So let's look into where we sit for Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, and then, of course, we'll get into altcoins and all that, all that fun stuff. And I'll talk about some uh, coins that are potentially looking at breaking out. But there's some very, very important levels on the Bitcoin and Ethereum charts that we have to look at right now. So the first thing I want to do is look at the macro. Zoom out a little bit onto the higher timeframes. And to really oversimplify where Bitcoin is sitting right now, it's basically in the middle of one big range. And that range is from the 15,500 level here at the range lows, all the way up to the 25,000 level at range highs. Now, this is the range that we are currently in. Any major explosive move on the higher timeframes from Bitcoin is going to happen if we break above one of these ranges and then look to push to the upside, or of course, we break below um, one of the ranges and then we look to print new lows. But there is a lot of opportunities in the middle of this range um, to take advantage of price action because what we can actually see is Bitcoin um, potentially moving like this and playing within the constraints of the range. That is definitely something that can happen. Even though we want an explosive breakout to the upside, there's definitely opportunities to trade mid-range as well. And we'll get to the shorter timeframes to discuss that. But what you need to understand is where we currently sit for Bitcoin overall. And any explosive movement um, is going to come at the breakout uh, of the range. And the range high is currently the level that we are closer to. So how do we substantiate where momentum is going? How do we substantiate whether momentum is to the upside of the range or to the downside of the range? Well, one very uh, simple indicator I use to view this is the 200 MA on the daily. And as we know, historically, this has been a great indicator to track whether the market is actually bullish or bearish. And we've been saying for the last few weeks that since we are above this indicator, the market is exhibiting bullish price momentum. Now, we had a bit of a scare yesterday. Pre-CPI, we actually went down and tested on this 200 MA. And, and Bitcoin had a very important decision to make on the daily, but it succeeded the test. And we could see a very, very strong reaction to the 200 MA in tandem with the mid-range support level. And this resulted in Bitcoin pushing to the upside. Now, this is actually a bearish pattern. And if you kind of want to draw it out, it almost looks like a head and shoulders. Um, if you draw it like this, then you have the, the other shoulder and then potentially a push up to the range high scenario. So the fact that Bitcoin responded quite positively, um, and as long as we are above the 200 MA, and as long as we are also above this mid-range level, indicates to me that there's potentially more upside. Now, we can only trade these charts based on what the charts are telling us. We can only trade these charts based on our technicals, our indicators, um, as well as some of the fundamentals uh, that do drive the market, like macro announcements like the CPI. But since the CPI was largely in line with expectations, the technicals now are really coming into play. And we can see those two key patterns, the, um, the bounce off the 200 MA mid-range in tandem with a very key head and shoulders pattern. And then I also want to look at Ethereum on the higher time frame before we get into the shorter stuff, the one hour, the four hour, and look to substantiate where ETH sits. Now, ETH is very similar to Bitcoin. The major difference being, although it's uh, in this big range um, from its range low at 18, uh, sorry, 870 to the range high of 2000, the 218 all-time high is quite significant. So if we zoom out onto the Ethereum chart, we can see the 2018 all-time high is a very, very, very key level. If we head back, um, this is, was where Ethereum essentially topped out at 1400. And right now, 
um, we have, well, we didn't quite get there, but we looked like we we're going to test that level. Now, for Ethereum, as long as it's above that level, um, I think there's a strong chance we, we see positive price action. And very interestingly here, we actually did make a higher high. You can see um, the higher high was made here versus here. And also, we are making higher lows as well. Um, we, we, we successfully have consolidated above the previous lows. So this is technically bullish price action, um, which is why I'm not thinking of like doing anything crazy, like um, trying to you know massively short any of the altcoins right now because of that price action. But Ethereum can theoretically come down and test mid-range again, and I expect it to do so at some point. But it does look like right now it does want to come up and test its range higher. So let's go into the shorter timeframes and look um, at why this may be the case. So if we go onto the shorter timeframes um, and we get rid of the 200 MA because that's an indicator I mostly look at on the daily, we can see for Bitcoin at least, we are testing the bottom range um, of this previous consolidation pattern that we've been getting over the last few weeks. Now, this is a very key level as well for Bitcoin. Now, the, the bulls obviously need Bitcoin to break above the 22.4 level, consolidate, and then look to push to the upside. Now, that's a scenario that can happen, but right now we are getting rejected off this level. So we can see two tests here and two rejections. Um, this possibly means that Bitcoin uh, can go down to this level here and test the 21.6 to the 22.2 level. That's something I actually see happening today. However, if we do test this level, then what is important for Bitcoin is to maintain positive price structure on the shorter timeframes. And what this means is making a higher low. So what you don't want to see from Bitcoin is a breakdown and then um, a lower low, which would be below the 21.3 level. What you want to see is Bitcoin coming down, maybe you know testing in this mid-level mid range of support and bouncing and reacting quite strongly to that. And then it can look to push to the upside. So on the shorter timeframes, this is an important level to hold. Um, although so far we have responded quite positively, although you know there's a short-term rejection taking place right now. For Ethereum in the shorter timeframes, um, and look, remember guys, the high time frame is where you make your big money, right? So the major resistances, so the range highs and the major supports at the range low and then the mid-range levels, that is where you're going to make your big money on um, on bounces and rejections off those levels and especially off altcoins. For smaller money trades or at least smaller time frame direction, that's when we want to look at the one hour and the four hourly chart. So this stuff maybe more applies to the traders out there rather than the long-term guys. For the long-term guys, you want to obey that um, positive uh, or negative price structure, however that seems to look. And obviously right now it's positive as we confirmed on the higher timeframes before. Ethereum's a little different to Bitcoin. It is rejecting off this level, although it did break above. Um, it looks slightly more bullish. I mean, we did see a stronger reaction, although it, it did print um, a lower low on the shorter timeframes, obviously on the higher timeframes, it's a higher low, short timeframes. Um, it was a lower low. So what we need to see for Ethereum as well is um, a bounce off this 15-15 level. Breaks below this level, highly likely it's going to make a lower low in the short term. But I think what we could expect is um, a strong likelihood of it bouncing off this level. And then that would be a bullish trend as well. Of course, it can also come down and then reclaim above this level. Um, so the key level for Ethereum to hold is 15.50. And then also the um, the kind of stop level that or support level that we don't want Ethereum to break is the 15.15 level. So overall, markets did react positively. It's bullish price action. Many of the altcoins have broken out and look like they are about to break major trends. Matic is about to break a major trend, and that's something I want to talk about in a couple of minutes um, because I think there are plays in that ecosystem which are starting to look good. Phantom responded quite positively. Overall, the altcoins are responding bullishly, um, and, and that's how we're going to trade unless we break some of these levels. So I hope that gives you guys some clarity, and I'm going to get into the altcoins, which I think could be the top performers if, they, if we do get a breakout to the upside in a minute. So make sure you stick around for that. Um, before we get into that stuff, 
uh, I just want to remind you that if you sign up for an OKX account, obviously, if you want to trade any of these levels as well, OKX is a great place to do so. You can open a mystery box. So for those who haven't done it yet, um, quite I know quite a few of you can uh, already have, but for those who haven't, make sure you click on the link in the description to sign up for an OKX account to get yourself a $10,000 mystery box. So basically, if you deposit $50 into your OKX account, sign up for a new link, um, then you get access to this mystery box, which you literally just get your phone, you shake your phone, and then you open the box. It's, it's actually quite a lot of fun, and you can potentially win up to $10,000. Um, I've heard stories of people winning a, a couple thousand. I haven't heard any of you win 10000 yet, so let's um, let's see if one of you wins, and I hope one of you does. But you can also win smaller prizes of like $5, $10, $20. It's basically um, just a randomized price function when you open up to sign up for a new account. So link in the description to that. Of course, it's a great place to trade, but that mystery box is also a lot of fun. Um, and there's also their terms and conditions on their website for um, how to become eligible. But basically, it's signing up for a new account and depositing just $50 worth of fiat or crypto. You don't actually need to trade um, to qualify for that. So there's two, there's two major segments now I want to discuss. The first segment I want to discuss is why the market reacted positively and I already touched on this, but I think there's more logic to take out of this situation um, to the news. And then I also want to talk about the altcoins that could outperform um, in relation to the news. So Coin Mumba said CPI came in higher than expected. A few months ago, it would have nuked the market, but equities are stable and crypto is pushing higher. Very, very interesting. And GCR did a tweet back in May 2021, which actually seems to be very true still to this day. And this logic, I think, could apply to most big announcements. And he said, when news impacts the price, market participants often fixate on whether it's true or not. More often than not, the actual veracity of their headline is immaterial. So what he's saying is the number that comes out often doesn't matter. Unless it's some huge shock, um, it's often immaterial. But what matters, what matters most is how the market reacts to the news and for how long that turns out to be a lot more informative. And I would 100% agree with him. The CPI number itself is just a number. What matters is how the market views that number and how the market perceives that number. And the only way for us to work out how the market views that number is to judge the reaction. And you need to let the reaction settle because when CPI first happened, you know, we saw major swings. We saw major wicks down and then we saw a very quick price response upwards. So the only way to, um, the only way to evaluate how the market has viewed a certain announcement like the CPI is to look uh, over the next few hours and over the next few days how the market responds. And right now it's clear that the market is responding positively against bonds, against the treasury yields. Now, the NASDAQ also, Bitcoin also, all performing strongly off the back of the news. And I think that is the more telling part of the story here, that the market wants to be bullish, um, even though it just got given an excuse to be bearish, it still um, wants to be bullish. And there's just still so much interest in risk assets, um, despite the current environment we're in. And I have my long-term views, and I've talked about this at length. I'm not buying spot right now long-term. I think we're going to see better prices at some point, but that doesn't mean I'm not a narrative trader, and that doesn't mean I'm not taking advantage of short-term bullish momentum. Hell, if we can go to 25 to 28K, I'm licking my lips. I can make 5, 10, 20Xs on some small caps. I'm loving it. Um, and, and you also have trading opportunities off the back of that, and then you'll, be, then you'll get great shorting opportunities as we approach resistance. So I'm all about the shorter-term trading. But long-term, in terms of long-term accumulation, for me, there's too many headwinds. Um, I, I do think higher for longer is something that can play out. I, I, I see the second half of this year potentially uh, being a headwind. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean it will be. Obviously, we're heading into the halving next year, but there's enough headwinds for me not to be comfortable in, in super long-term positions that I, I'm trading accordingly. Now, obviously, I still hold some alts long-term. I make exceptions for Bitcoin and ETH. 
um, which I'm happy to just DCA. There are some projects which I think can outperform the market irrespective of market conditions. But in general, that's my sentiment. So I just want to make that clear um, in, in case you think I'm some moon boy here that's always max long. Actually, not the case right now. I'm pretty heavy in stables. And I think it's important for me to be transparent about my plan. Um, but part of my plan is utilizing those stables on short-term opportunities. And that's something I want to help you guys out with in this show is give you shorter-term opportunities that can make money um, and also give you the levels that you know you, you can use to take profits and get invalidated so you don't get wrecked. And that that's really my mission here, to help make you guys the most profitable community, but also um, exercise risk management. Uh, and I learned so many lessons last year in, in risk management. I'm sure you guys did as well, that I think we're more prepared now than ever to succeed in this market. And this is really the year, this is a huge decisive year for crypto from both a regulatory um, and a technical standpoint. And we could very well come out the other side, you know, much, much stronger. Uh, we just need to brace the the next you know year ahead. And yeah, I also think there's opportunities during that time. So Tree of Alpha, back on the point I was making before, also did a tweet. He said, look, finally, when the net last now hit, China banning all crypto last bull run in 2021 and retail trading, he shorted a lot at what ended up being the Pico bottom before 69K, which was, remember, the 29K level. Um, and then we went on to make all-time highs. The market just didn't care about the FUD anymore. And that's how the market is reacting to CPI. It just doesn't care anymore. And the same thing happened with FTX. We saw all-time lows, a lot of regulatory FUD. Um, well, not all-time lows, but yearly lows. And then look at us. Look at us now. I mean, we, we rocketed from 15 all the way to 23 and then a lot of alts, you know, 2 and 3x. So um, all about that accumulation. Exactly. And we use this, this short-term trading and we use narrative-based stuff um, in order to adhere to our long-term goals. So my long-term goal is to stack as much ETH as I can, stack as much um, quality projects like Matic as I can. I also uh, identify some of the smaller projects that can outperform, like the, some of the upcoming DEXs. Um, you kind of have to tra treat everything differently in this market. And I don't think it's maybe necessarily good enough to sit back and treat uh, every hold the same because not every coin is the same. Some coins we know are going to be around for five years, um, like ETH or a Chainlink, right? Some coins we don't know are going to be around in five years, like a, like a GMX or a GNS, but that doesn't mean there isn't short-term opportunities to trade those coins. So, you know, you have to treat every coin differently with a different time horizon. And I think that's where a lot of investors go wrong. They treat everything with the same time horizon, whereas each individual investment needs a different, um, a different set of planning behind it in terms of when you take profits, how you accumulate, and also the time horizon at which you're both accumulating and taking profits. So that's also very important. And of course, how you allocate percentage-wise comes into that, right? Um, Sunrise thinks ADA will be there. I mean, it could be. I'm not a huge ADA bull, but that's solely from a price perspective um, due to risk-reward. I'm, I'm not a massive bull, but that's that doesn't mean that it won't be... Um, you know, that it won't be in the picture in five to 10 years time because their tech, uh, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes is quite solid. doesn't mean it'll win. Avachar had some thoughts on this in an interview I did a couple of weeks ago, how first mover advantage might be more important than tech. But I mean, let's see what happens. Ethereum's got pretty broken tech, and it, but it has first mover advantage and that's where the developers ended up developing. So now I want to get into some of these um, altcoin plays because the reason I'm saying this is, look, Bitcoin right now, this is bullish price action, okay? Um, on the daily, we did bounce off this 200 MA. We also bounced off mid-range, which was a positive sign. So if the market's going to respond positively, you want to be in the strongest coins. And, you know, as soon as the market flips um, negative, you want to readjust your thesis. But for now, whilst price action is positive, we have to identify and start looking at the strongest narratives in this market. And there's a few new ones which have come to light. Obviously, we had the AI run, which was very, very strong. We have, we've had the L2 run, which is very strong. I continue to see those to be 
um, strong outperformers or strong trends that can outperform. But I also think there are some new ones which have been um, created or manufactured in the midst of a lot of this SEC news, which probably um, have a stronger chance now of, of being those top performers. And obviously, Matic is, is, running, um, is also running ahead of some of this uh, stuff. So let's get into that in a second. But if, if you want to trade any of these projects I talk about, some of them aren't on centralized exchanges. Um, and KyberSwap is the place where you'll be able to trade them on decentralized exchanges. It's basically a DEX aggregator, which aggregates all um, the different swapping routes in order uh, across multiple chains to give you the best rates. So if you want to swap from Ethereum to USDC, or let's say Ethereum to Beefy Finance on Arbitrum, it's going to tell you your trade route. So it's using SushiSwap because that it's identified that that's the cheapest rate to swap. Um, if you want to go Ethereum to DAI, it, it, it's worked out that it can do a little bit in balance and then 35% in Uniswap and some in the KyberSwap pools um, to give you the best rates. So I think DEX aggregators, I mean, it's just a way easier experience because you don't need to find where a coin is and trade it, um, trade it on another exchange. So use KyberSwap. There's a link in the description. They're also a show sponsor. Very happy they're sponsoring because I've been using them for um, about a year now um, just on my own in, in my own personal time. And I think, you know, it's a great place to, to get the best swap fees at the best price. Also, as you can see here, trade routes do go through the KyberSwap um, Elastic pools. So they do have their own pools to get the best rates. So and they do aggregate through like Uniswap and Balancer and other um, AMMs, but they also have their own, I guess, like uh, liquidity in-house. And in order to provide uh, for that in-house liquidity, they do pay APRs. So there are pools here as well, um, and they're fully audited um, and in my opinion, fully safe one of the biggest DEXs in crypto. And this is like a place where you can earn um, yield. So for example, if you pair GNS with an ETH, you earn 448%. Um, I'm not shilling any of these pools. I'm just giving you arbitrary examples. You, you can go through and look for yourself. USDT, USDC is paying 78%. What this means is that you can literally stake stable coins for 78%. Bitcoin, ETH is 64%. So there, there are some decent yields right now. Of course, some of them drop, some of them fluctuate. Um, but I would just go on and look at the pools. Basically, you're, you're providing liquidity to facilitate swaps um, when they swap through the KyberSwap pools. So that's something else you can do. But of course, whenever you're doing any of this, um, make sure you use a VPN. There's a link in the description to Nord as well. Always, 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 when you use a MetaMask, use a VPN. If you're not using a VPN, you need a VPN um, to stay safe. And I'm not just saying that because Nord's a sponsor. I'm saying that because, I mean, it's just a fact. Uh, you need to protect your IP addresses um, in order to stay safe. And I mean, it's $3 a month to protect thousands of dollars worth of assets or hundreds of dollars worth of assets. I mean, it's a bit of a no-brainer as a security function. Of course, you get all that fun stuff like being able to, you know, um, watch Netflix in other countries and do all that fun stuff and log into... Um, I mean, I would never do this, but log into exchanges from other countries um, like the US. <clears throat> but, you know, with in terms of just the security benefits you get, I think it's worth it. All right. Cool. Now we get that out of the way. Let's go into the narratives that I'm looking at. The first one that's super strong is ZK. I've seen ZK everywhere over the last few weeks. It's been the talk of the town. Uh, this is another one I've been talking about for a couple of weeks now, but we did get some big announcements today, which I think further provides another catalyst to the ZK narrative, which of course was always quite strong, but it just seems to be getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And this is obviously the Polygon ZK EVM mainnet beta launching on March 27th. So actually sooner than a lot of people thought, Polygon's been a very aggressive in its acquisitions in terms of acquiring ZK companies and L2 scaling solutions to help their own ZK EVM. We saw them acquire Hermes Network, for example, 
for $250 million, which was a ZKEVM solution that they then uh, took and implemented into their own um, their own program. So this is really cool. And this is a major catalyst for ZK products. And there are many ZK products which are performing strongly. But as I said before, if Bitcoin holds here and continues to um, perform bullishly, I think ZK is one of the narratives that totally outperforms. And it's one that I've got my eye on. And Matic is actually at a very key level. And I wanted to highlight this to you guys. Um, Matic is about to break its range highs. Now, chance it gets rejected here, of course, and then that creates a shorting opportunity. Um, you know, if we if if we reject and confirm on, on the on the daily, I think a daily shorting opportunity is much stronger than like trading on like the four hour or the one hour. But we also have the possibility that, and I mean, this is almost strong a stronger possibility right now, considering just the strength of Matic and ZK right now, that it pushes above range highs. And once you break and consolidate above this level. That is super, super bullish um, because that is the level that Matic has failed to break in the past. And we know once it breaks range highs, I mean, re- the next resistance isn't really till $1.70. And then you also uh, are looking at the pos- the genuine possibility of Matic returning to all-time highs. Now, it kind of sounds crazy that we're even talking about Matic returning to all-time highs in a bear market uh, because most projects are 10 to 20Xs off their all-time highs. But the reason why I think it's even in the conversation is just because their biz dev and their partnerships and their ZK acquisitions in the bear market have actually offsetted a lot of downside. A lot of the liquidity that came out of the ecosystem um, is going straight back in because of all these major developments. And it's interesting because in the bull run, Matic didn't have uh, the, the well, they had some, but they didn't have the Disney partnership. They didn't have a fully fleshed out Starbucks partnership you know, they didn't have like DraftKings and they were starting to rumor some of it, but it wasn't like actually in place. Uh, they did, certainly didn't have the meta platforms, Instagram integration, which now they have. And they didn't really have a ZK EVM plan, which now they have. Um, thank you, Terry, for, for uh, saying you're enjoying the show. Hope you guys are enjoying um, the show and, and the alpha and information I bring you every day. I appreciate it. But they didn't have all that stuff back in the bull run. And now we're in a bear market and they have that stuff. So really the only discrepancy here in price, because Matic fundamentals are stronger now, like unequivocally, undoubtedly stronger than they were in the bull run. When Matic was at all-time highs at $3, the fundamentals were worse than right now at $1.20, right? But fundamentals in crypto don't drive price all the time. In fact, a lot of the time they don't. Hype and speculation does. And that is why you get this discrepancy. Why do we have a price discrepancy of um, 57%? Well, it's because of general market conditions. So you're you're getting a potential opportunity here for Matic to look to push up to the upside. Now, that can only happen if it breaks the range high. So keep your eye on this. I want to see this happen on the daily. Of course, if we go into the shorter time frames, like the four hourly, it is looking strong. Um, it did break this pattern, but at some point that was bound to happen because I mean it couldn't just um it couldn't just stay like this forever. At some point it's gonna break down, uh, which it did, and then it did um, pull back significantly in price, but then pro CPI, we got that strong bounce. Now, what Matic needs to do is is reclaim range high. Um, if it gets rejected, then you don't really want it breaking these previous lows. You certainly don't want it breaking the pre CPI lows. So just keep your eye on Matic. That this is the chart to keep your eye on right now. And off the back of Matic, of course, and also off the back of ZK Sync's upcoming launch, um, Starknet's upcoming launch, they are getting a token. I, I'm hearing it's Q3. Let's see what happens. All the other ZK projects are performing well. Now, Matic inherently isn't a ZK project. It's a layer two, but it uses ZK. And in many ways, Matic's almost a layer one, really. It's like a layer two solution because it has side chains and um, 
kind of a plug and play Swiss Army Knife approach of plugging in scaling solutions. And ZK is like the newest solution they're plugging in um, to that Swiss Army Knife. Uh, it's got a lot of weapons at its disposal. But there is other ZK projects as well, which have weapons at their disposal. Uh, you've got A0. This is one of my favorite projects. Unfortunately, with a freaking A0, this dollar mark is so, um, so strong. And I say unfortunately because I'd love it to break below a dollar so I can buy it. Um, and, and, and I feel like I'm always waiting for a dollar and it just never really wants to get there. So look, if, we, if, if when A0 gets back to a dollar, and I say when because look, second half this, of this year, if we do get a Bitcoin pullback, I think a lot of alts come down. That would be a great zone to accumulate A0 in this region here. If not, in the short term, there are trading opportunities here. So I think a pullback to the $1.40 range would be super, super bullish. And of course, then you've got also got the possibility we break above um, those previous levels. If we zoom out onto the daily, the key levels to watch right now um, is here. And we're actually breaking above at the moment. So it's actually very critical. Uh, A0 and Matic are very, very similar in the sense that they're both, both approaching major resistance. If A0 can break above um, its resistance, I mean, there's free reign up to $2. So keep your eye on A0. That's one I'm looking at. Um, I think Mina as well. Mina, Dusk, and Mute from the ZK narrative. I think they're they're super strong ones. Rose as well, but Rose has already run quite a lot. Um, yeah, Mina is a strong one. Obviously, Matic, Syscoin. Um, but I would say, yeah, Dusk, Mute. They're, they're decent plays for the ZK stuff. Uh, I think Mina long-term is probably the better hold, though, than those two. But of course, you know, if you're trading short-term, it doesn't really matter. If it's got ZK in the name, then it's a narrative trade. But I do think long-term, Mina is probably my preferred um, list of tech. Here I do have, and I did a tweet on this, uh, here I have a list for you guys. This uh, Bearer did a good tweet. Um, he listed the ZK projects to keep your eye on. He said, Matic, IMX, Mina, Good call on Vela Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, guys, I called this on the show on Sunday. I said I was looking at upcoming perp dexes, and this just not Velas, not Velas, not Velas. It's Vela. It's a it's an exchange, DXP. Um, this just exploded after that Sunday show. If you guys don't know what the Sunday show is, every Sunday night for me, or Sunday morning for you Americans, or Sunday afternoon for the Europeans. Um, I think it's roughly at seven a.m. EST. I do like a four-hour live stream where we basically just chat shit talk about alts, talk about research. We researched the decentralized gaming narrative last week, which has actually been exploding over the past couple of days. So um, I didn't get in during that show, but I look, I guess we kind of at least um, started positioning the, our logic behind that narrative. I'm sure we'll get our entries at some point. Um, but yeah, Vela was another one I looked at. Uh, qu quite annoyed because I was supposed to get an entry here at a dollar. Like I've been, t I even did a, a tweet about Vela um, like months ago. Let's see if I can find this tweet. Basically, what it is is a GMX fork, um, but it has more Telegram users and more Discord users than the GMX exchange itself. Now, I'm not sure whether Vela is coming up here, but I did do an airdrop tweet. Yeah, here we go. Um, I put this in the thread on January 29th. I think January 29th, where were we? Yeah, we were $2, and now we're like $6.50 or almost $7. So I'm a little bit annoyed because I didn't actually trade this. The, um, but I mean, I did talk about it on the show on Sunday. So at least maybe some of you profited from it. Uh, but they had an airdrop. And the airdrop, I told you guys a couple of weeks ago to get involved. I hope you did. I, I did a tweet on this and I put it on the yeah, 30th of Jan. I hope you got involved because the airdrop closed yesterday. So the guys that did start um, testing the Vela beta release and got involved with the network when open access came out on February 14th, I think, and maybe there's still a chance to get an airdrop. You just need to check in the Discord, but I'm pretty sure it's closed. 
Um, if you did get early access or t- test the beta yesterday, that is huge because um, they are going to be airdropping to people that use the exchange. Now, Vela, in terms of buying this, it sucks because it's pumped. I mean, I'm g- I can't recommend buying here. Like, I, you, we're going to need a major pullback. I just think Vela's Vela's just looking slightly um slightly stronger than than a lot of these other perp dexes right now. So this was one of my picks in the Sunday show. But look, it's whatever. There's many, many more. Um, but you got to wait for a pullback here. You don't buy thirty seven percent up. I'm a bit annoyed myself because how could I spot this at a dollar and not buy at a dollar? I don't know. I do this a lot. I find tokens and I don't ape. But you know, maybe some of you guys made money, which honestly is more important sometimes than me making money. So. Off the back of this ZK narrative, so we talked about Vela then, um, we talked about ZK. There's also some strong um, strong projects that have come about because of the stablecoin narrative. And I just want to talk about this briefly because I'll probably do a longer show um, on this at some point. Um, but I do think that off the back of what happened with the SEC, so if you guys need a quick update, uh, basically what happened is BUSD was called an unregistered security by the SEC. And as an unregistered security, its issuer, Paxos, had to stop issuing BUSD. And what this means is that there can be redemptions of existing BUSD, but no more BUSD minted. Now, I think this is an attack on Binance because PUSD wasn't sanctioned and it was not called a security by the SEC, but BUSD was. Now, there's reasons behind why this is the case, and I won't get into the nitty-gritty legal stuff, but essentially it looks like a bit of a roundabout way for the regulators to go after Binance. And that's a shame. And I think it has ramifications for the space. One of the ramifications that has, and this is, I think, tradable, um, is the benefits it has on decentralized stables. So I personally think, and I got a lot of people agreeing with me. In fact, I think CZ agree with me in the comments here. Um, he definitely did agree with me in the comments, but he's just not showing up. But also, um, I had people disagree with me as well, which is good because it's a great discussion, is I think UST had the right vision all along. And what I mean by that is obviously I know their mechanism was broken. Obviously, I know it was poor execution. And and the algorithmic stablecoin component doesn't work unless you have significant treasuries to underpin it. So it was executed poorly. But the need and the vision and the reason why it was created, so to be a robust decentralized stablecoin that's usable in DeFi ecosystems and is immutable by nature, I think that's very important. And I think the need for that never went away. So... I think UST had the right vision. It was executed poorly. But there are other decentralized stablecoins here, which I think now are going to get massive attention. And the reason why I said this is tradable is because I think these can be strong outperformers over the next few months. I don't think stablecoin FUD's going away. We saw Circle FUD last night. I think that'll continue. We're going to see other stablecoins get clamped down on um, by the regulators. And a lot of them are going to be called securities. I think I just saw a comment there um, from Crimson. Yeah, he said they. I don't know how they can make the argument that stablecoins are securities. Well, I see both sides. Basically, what you, all you need to understand is the SEC has free reign, free jurisdiction to call anything a security. Your car can be a security. Your watch can be a security. Anything can be a security if they want it to be a security, um, irrespective of the Howey test, which is unfortunate, but that's the world we live in. And I think if they Paxos fight it in court, then maybe the courts come to the decision that the SEC is overreaching. But for now, uh, until that date comes, the SEC has free range to call free reign to call whatever they want, whatever they want, which is just, it is what it is. But off the back of that, look, there are opportunities. I think decentralized stablecoins now are more important than ever. The need for them is more important than ever. And there's a few upcoming ones, which I'm looking forward to, which have presented strong catalysts to these ecosystems. You've got GHO, the Aave stablecoin launching soon. You've got Curve USD, 
the stablecoin on Curve launching soon. Obviously, that's going to be involved with Curve pools for liquidity. Um, so there'll be yield-bearing opportunities there as well. And then you've got Frax, uh, which is a strong ecosystem. And obviously, other ones like Dai and stuff. I prefer Frax, Aave, and Curve for three reasons. The first reason being, and the primary reason being, um, you, you, I mean, with Dai, USDC is underpinning redemptions. So you kind of have this decentralized stablecoin, which is being underpinned by a centralized stablecoin. So it's not really decentralized, which is why I don't view Dai in that light. I prefer Frax and the others. Second reason is because Frax, um, Aave, and Curve have independent catalysts that are quite strong. Frax obviously has a very strong LSD narrative at the moment, which we'll get into in a second. Um, we've got Aave, which has a lot of um, cool products shipping, and they're still the biggest borrowing and lending platform in crypto. Obviously, that benefits from increased Ethereum usabil usability. We've seen transactions um, peaking as well. Also, Curve is a super strong uh, ecosystem. I, I mean... I am not against long-term exposure to Curve. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it underpins the entire DeFi ecosystem. And anything in that ecosystem, um, you know, I'm not opposed to getting some exposure to. And Curve USD uh, is, I guess, another catalyst in that ecosystem. My favorite of all of them is Frax. And we actually saw a really weird pre-CPI price response of like this huge pump uh, after the Binance BUSD news and then a huge dump post-CPI and then a small bounce. So we have seen... Um, Sorry, a, a huge dump pre-CPI and then a small bounce post-CPI, just to clarify the wording there. But I, I do think Frax is actually a good one. And we're actually at support levels right now. So this might not be a terrible long. Of course, if you're going to long, you've got to you know set your stop losses and all that. Implement risk management. Don't ape. Um, but Frax is a very interesting one. And I think this is a beneficiary of not only the narrative in terms of stablecoins, decentralized stablecoins, but also LSDs because it's been the fastest growing Ethereum liquid staking derivative. Now, I like others like Lido and Rocket Pool, and I've done tweets on this, um, and I also did a video last weekend about the Shanghai upgrade being a huge catalyst and also the SEC crackdown being a huge catalyst for LSDs, and I'm still mega bullish on LSDs, but I don't think I'm more bullish on any of them than Frax, because it's kind of, you're getting exposure to um, the DeFi stablecoin narrative as well as the very strong trend in LSDs. So those are the three I'd look at, Aave, Curve, and Frax. I'd say Frax is top of the list. I really do like Curve, though. I'd probably put that second. I'd probably put Aave third if I had to rank them. But do your own research on them. Work out which ones you like, which ones you don't. I just think DeFi stablecoins are going to be something you hear about a lot over the next few months. I think precedent is starting to be set in this respect as well. Before I head off, I'm going to answer a couple questions at the end. I uh, just want to remind you that there is a current Rolex giveaway, which we're still running for another... 13 days. So you've got 13 days um, to win this Rolex on BitGet, which is the black sub, and then obviously the $25,000 sub on Bybit. Um, I think this is like a ten dollars to $15,000 watch as well. So you could potentially, and that's on the gray market, so you can potentially win one of these watches. And I'm sure most of you already have Bybit and BitGet accounts. So I'm sorry for the ones that um, already do. But if you don't, um, and even if you do, you can still get more entries by trading more. But if you don't, make sure you sign up for a link in the description to either BitGet or Bybit. Um, to potentially win one of these watches. As I said, you've got 13 days and then it's over. This promotion's done. Um, and also, one trade equals one entry. So if you guys aren't trading, I mean, obviously trade when you want to trade and don't force a trade if it's not there. But I just want to remind you, the more you trade, technically the more chance you have winning, of winning a Rolex because one trade equals one entry into the comp. So yeah, 100 trades equals 100 entries and so on and so forth. So that is... Um, 
that is live for another 13 days. So yeah, links in the description to that. Um, and of course, you also have the mystery box comp on OKX. So if you haven't signed up for OKX, just sign up, deposit $50, shake your phone and open your mystery box. Check the terms and conditions, of course, um, before you do anything. But um, that is a promo that's running right now. Let's talk about a couple questions now before I head off. Tomorrow's show, I'm going to go a lot deeper on some of these topics. I think it was very important today, though, to come at you guys with a general market update, considering a lot happened. And I, I just kind of wanted to clarify some things as to why CPI um, ended up re resulting in positive price action, why some of the coins look like they're about to break out, like Matic, um, you know, also my thesis behind decentralized stuff like Frax, and yeah, just my general levels. Hopefully my Bitcoin and ETH ranges helped you guys in terms of getting some clarity over where we currently sit. I think I'm going to go a lot more macro now um, in my shows of making sure we constantly evaluate what where we are in terms of trends. So you guys are always clear whether we're longing or shorting. And then I also want to make sure clear in every single show where we sit on the shorter timeframes to make sure you're positioned for turbulence or um strong price action in shorter time frames. So that's something I'm incorporating to all my shows to make sure every show gives you guys alpha, but also a full update. So you're always up to date with the market. Um, okay. Let's just answer a quick qu a couple of questions. Joby, uh, you really, really liked the show. I appreciate it. Vela airdrop details not yet released. Okay. Potentially there's still a chance to get a Vela airdrop. Then I heard it was over through the grapevine, but potentially um, there will be an airdrop. I'm almost 99% sure there'll be an airdrop. Uh, cruising on the outskirts of Melbourne, listening to the Alpha. Nice, nice. Uh, I'm in Melbourne still at the moment. I'll be, um, yeah, I think I'll, I'll I'll be doing some traveling this year though. Probably go to the conferences like Miami. That'd be awesome. Thank you, Miles. Thank you very much, Ron Wayne. Appreciate it. Um, someone asked about Vi, and I saw PBX. I'm just going to look at these very, very quickly because you guys asked PBX and Vi. I don't know if I know. I know Paribus. I actually do know Paribus. Not a token I'm bullish on. Not a token I know a whole lot about. Um, I can't really give you too strong of an opinion. It is in the Ethereum ecosystem. Let me just see if I can remind myself what it actually is. Invest in your DeFi, redefine your cross-chain borrowing and lending for NFTs. Oh, I have heard about this. And they're building on Cardano. Yeah, I mean, if you're bullish on Cardano, you could probably, um, probably take a stab at this. I'm just not that bullish on Cardano. Someone wants me to look at Vi as well. Let's look at Vi real quick. Uh, is this Viot or Vi? I mean, there's two Vi's. I don't know which one it is. Um, if you want to just clarify that in the comments, that would help me. Um, is it this one or is it the other one? Just clarify that really quick. I actually don't know either of them though. Um, one is Venus and then the other one is uh, Vi and then Viot. How high will Matic go? I'll also answer that and then then we'll we'll wrap up after that question. Uh, yeah, I don't know any of these projects. Kind of the, their charts are very similar to a lot of other coins. Um, and you know, if I don't know a coin, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna claim to. I'm very clear on the fact that I um that I research heavily what I know. And oh, Viot. Okay, so this one. Uh, yeah, I research heavily what I know, and I share my that alpha with you guys. So I don't know every project. This is an intelligence service powered regulated digital asset blockchain of AI assistance. Ah, okay, it's AI narrative based. I mean, the AI cryptos, um. Yeah, if you're playing the AI narrative, that's potentially a, a trade. So just keep that in mind. I mean, if it's got the word AI in it, it probably is just following these other coins. AI bounced strongly. So we talked about AI a lot last week. We saw positive price action across a lot of AI projects. Um, so they responded super strong. That's positive that the AI narrative is not dead yet. It actually still has relative strength. They bounced 
we go into the rest of the market and look how other projects bounce. They didn't bounce 20%. Polygon bounced 6%. Solana bounced 5%. Lido staked ETH, or, and ETH um, did 3%. Uniswap did 5%. AI did 13 to 20% across the board. So it still has relative strength, and that's why I'm still not fading AI. I know a lot of people are saying it's over. It technically, might not be over. Why is Phantom Public so hard? I'm going to do a separate video on this. FUSD is coming soon. That's another decentralized stablecoin, and it's piggybacking off the decentralized stablecoin narrative as well as having FVM launching. Um, someone asked me one more thing about Matic. Uh, Matic, 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 Matic. Uh, we did have the chart up just before. Um, basically, what you need to know is that breakout of the range high is what I'm looking at. This is the key level. that So I, I wouldn't trade long until we break that. Why wouldn't I trade long? Well, because we're approaching resistance, right? So it's just too risky to, to be long. Um, leverage right now. Spot, you can be long for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. Leverage long, I, I might not do it right now because um, there's a chance we, you know, we get rejected at this level. And yeah, but if we can claim this, then I think it's all green skies ahead for Matic. But let's, let's just see. All right, thank you very much, guys. Um, someone asked me to talk about Phantom. All right, I'll finish on Phantom. Uh, Phantom, I will get the chart up. I'll give you a quick update because this is a very... Um, and I keep like a lose. I need to reorder my charts. USD perps, Binance. Yeah, this is essentially where we are sitting with Phantom. Uh, we broke through resistance and looks like we're flipping that into support for Phantom. Clearly, the 68 level is very key. I had lines on my other chart, but I lost it. Uh, this is the key level we need to break. Basically, 64 cents for Phantom. I think we play this range now for a little bit. Uh, of course, you know, provided we don't break down, then you've got that next target at the 41 cent level. I think if we can continue to consolidate here, then there's a good chance off the back of FUSD and FVM, we break above. Um, if we break above, I mean, it could go to a dollar, but that's obviously a bit, it's a bit like Matic, but it's going to take quite a lot of strength to break above. I'm not necessarily trading it as such because there's also a chance, you know, we reject and then come back down. So going to have to trade this accordingly. All you need to know is on the shorter time frame. Um, this is decent. I mean, there's nothing to panic. Uh, sorry, on the higher time frame, there's nothing to panic about. That's on the daily. On the one hour and the hourly as well, we're, we're still sitting in an okay zone. But FUSD, FVM are the catalyst behind that. And I have an interview with Michael Kong next week, who is the CEO of Phantom. That will be dropping live on the channel. Um, we're going to do a live and you guys can ask him questions from the audience there. So any Phantom questions you have, I'll do a tweet beforehand. You can ask me and then I'll ask him and then he'll give you straight from um, his own mouth uh, the update on what's going on inside the Phantom ecosystem. Cool, guys. I will see you in the next show, which will be tomorrow at 7 p.m. EST. Hope you enjoyed today. And until then, hope you have a lovely, lovely, lovely day. Good luck in the markets. Peace out.